Good morning and happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network Catholic Radio, celebrating 25 years of broadcasting our faith and bringing you our witness to the faith. That's not an official line or anything. It's just one that I'm saying. Uh, But it is our 25th anniversary. Actually, yesterday was. So we're in our 25th year now, and that's something we give great thanks to God for. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, this week. Not today. We've got some other things to get to today, some very important things to get to today. It is May. It is the month of Our Lady. It is the month of Our Blessed Mother, the month of Mary. So we turn now in prayer this morning, praying our morning offering, but also offering her this show, this radio apostolate, entrusting it to her intercession. Um, As we pray this morning, we'll pray the morning offering and then offer a decade of the rosary. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm very happy to be with you today in this month of May. 
It's a month we dedicate to our Blessed Mother. And I was thinking earlier about my grandmother. I've shared this on the show before that most of my Marian devotion was incredibly fostered by my grandmother, who always had her rosary. I can still picture the rosary she had in her final years. Um, You know, she would sit in her recliner in her living room. And to the left-hand side of the recliner was a floor lamp that had a table built into it. Uh, around the, you know, halfway up the pole, there was a table that surrounded it. And it always had the remote, the phone, the TV guide, and her rosary. And depending on the day, a Diet Coke as well. But always those things. And she would pray that rosary. And there would be times I'd go over to her house and she'd be sitting in her chair quietly just praying that rosary. That's where that love was first kindled. That for me, it's where I was first instructed by catechi- you know, instructed by the doing. Not necessarily a catechesis on the Blessed Mother, a, a lecture, a talk, a video, an audio file, a book, but just the image of my grandmother sitting there praying the rosary. Early on in our marriage, um, I forget what we were we were kidding each other about. I think it was. A, well, in fact, I know what it was. It was an afghan that my grandmother had made me before she died. When I was about 18 years old, this was about seven years before her death, um, as a graduation present from high school, she hand crocheted, I think that's the word, an afghan for me in my high school colors, blue and white, very lovingly made it. And it's one of those ones that for this time of year, it's the perfect weight. It's heavy enough that you feel the presence of it, but it breathes because it's not a solid blanket or quilt it's it's an afghan with some holes in it so you get some airflow so you get that weight on top of you without it being too hot and i came home and and beth was curled up under it and i said hey my grandmother made that for me that's mine that's not yours and she looked at me and goes yeah and if your grandmother was here right now what would she say and we both knew the answer to that was you better share that with beth now why do i say this because For the longest time, I would think, you know, what would my grandmother say? What would she tell me to do? What would she encourage me to do? And over the years, as I've thought about Marian devotion in my life, as I've thought about what we just prayed in our morning offering, O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. Now, it does not say I offer you my prayers and works of faith, joys and sufferings of this day, but my works. Everything I do, from the moment I get on the radio to the moment that I go to the grocery store to the moment that I help out with chores around the house to the moment I parent my children, I offer that to Jesus through Mary. As I decide, what are some of these extracurriculars in life I like to do? I I have a band. I love playing music, and I put a little band together. We play out about once a month. It's fun. We have a good time. But as we think about the music that we're willing to play, you know, it's so easy to be duplicitous and say, well, on the radio, I'm going to be this person, but off the radio, I'm going to be that person. Because, you know, no one will know. And if I sing the song that's a little inappropriate, but people like it, that's okay. The question becomes, you know, not what would my grandmother say, but what would my heavenly mother say? I have a feeling that my grandmother would say the same thing my heavenly mother would as well, but... What would my heavenly mother say? And when we offer everything in our day, at least for me, when I offer everything in my day, when I'm successful at doing that through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, 
it really helps me say no to the things I should say no to and yes to the things I should say yes to. In other words, would your mother want you to do that? The answer is no, don't do it. Would you want to do that in front of your mother? If the answer is no, don't do it. Would you say that in front of your mother? If the answer is no, don't say it. Not that I'm perfect 100% of the time, but that has helped me gain a whole uh, new perspective, a fresh perspective on this. We're going to go now to Mike Roberts for a check of the weather. After that, we'll be talking about the Blessed Mother all day long here on the show. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Today is the feast day of St. Athanasius, Bishop of Alexandria and Doctor of the Church. Born into a Christian family late in the 3rd century in Alexandria, Egypt, he may have been of Greek descent. After becoming secretary for Alexander, Bishop of Alexandria, he made the decision to become a priest and eventually was named Bishop himself. Like his predecessor, Athanasius was a staunch opponent of the Arian heresy and was present at the Council of Nicaea when the Nicene Creed was first adopted. Arius, the chief proponent of Arianism, and the priests supporting him were condemned, but they continued to preach their heresy, winning the support of Emperor Constantine, who exiled Athanasius to northern Gaul. This would be the start of a long battle for Athanasius as he defended the divinity of Christ five times. He was sent into exile for opposing those who said Jesus was not divine, but he never relented. In the Eastern Church, he is considered the father of orthodoxy and was the first person to identify the 27 books of the New Testament. His biography, The Life of St. Anthony, was fundamental to the establishment of monastic life. He died on this day in 373 after consecrating his successor. St. Athanasius, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Here's our catechist question for this Monday morning, May 2nd. True or false? True or false? Mary was only the mother of Jesus' human nature. True or false? Mary was only the mother of Jesus' human nature. The answer to that is false. Mary was the mother of the person of Jesus, a divine person. In the Council of Ephesus in 431, the Council declares Mary Theotokos, the mother of God. The child she conceived and bore is God, says Frank Sheed, our good friend. In his divine nature, he had existed eternally, but his human nature he owed to her as much as, he owe, as anyone owes his human nature to his mother. But we go on to read later in Frank Sheet's Theology for Beginners. As God, he was born of the Father before all ages. As man, he was born at a particular point in time of the Virgin Mary. Do not think it sufficient to call her the mother of his human nature. Natures, we have already noted, do not have mothers. She was mother, as yours or mine is, of the person born of her. So Jesus has two natures, his divine nature and his human nature, but he's a divine person. So as Theotokos, Mary is the mother of God and not just of the human nature because nature does not have a mother, but a person has a mother. So there you have it. Now, speaking of that, um, we're going to be talking with John Martinoni in just a few minutes here. Last week, we talked with John about the idea that Mary only retained her virginity until Jesus had been born, and we 
came to understand very clearly how that is inaccurate to say that after he was born, uh, she did not maintain her virginity, that she did maintain it. We have another scriptural fallacy that would be used, and that's about Jesus and his brothers. But we'll get to that after this. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. It's once again time to check in with John Martinoni from the Bible Christian Society. John, good to have you with us again. Adam, good to be with you as always. You know, John, some might say, some might say, brother, it's good to talk to you today, even though your mother and my mother are two very different people, unless we're talking about the Blessed Mother. Um, and and that would be commonly accepted in our society to say, brother, it's good to have you on the show. And yet, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, there's a reference to the brothers of Jesus. And there are those that would say, see, uh-huh, uh-huh, the Scripture points out that Mary must have had relations with St. Joseph because Jesus has brothers. So, John, I'm going to let you—that's uh, I, I, the pitch. Go ahead and take the swing. All right, very good. Um, yes, this is another thing that— Quite often, many um, non-Catholic Christians will, will hammer at Catholics, say, you know, you, you, your dogma, highest level of teaching of your church is that, that Mary was a perpetual virgin, yet the Bible says that Jesus had brothers. And, and for example, like I said, Mark 6, verse 3, it says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, whose brothers, James and Joseph, Judas and Simon, and sisters are here with us? So it names four of Jesus' brothers. So as you were talking about, number one is quite often the word brother and sister is used in a more generic way, in a a larger way. Um, But in this verse, it's used in a very specific way. It names four of Jesus' brothers. So how do we Catholics get around that? Well, the first thing is, is, you need to realize that in ancient Hebrew and ancient Aramaic, which Aramaic was the more common language of the people, there was no word for cousin, for stepbrother, brother-in-law, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew. They were all called brother and sister. We see an example of that from uh, Genesis, where Lot, who was very clearly identified as Abraham's nephew, Lot, at one point, is called Abraham's brother, but he was his nephew. So, pulling it back to Mark 6, verse 3, these four brothers, again, I'm going to name them because the first two names are very significant, James and Joseph, Judas and Simon. Okay, so that's, that's Mark 6, verse 3. Well, guess what? In Mark 15... When Jesus is being crucified, there's a passage, you know, what is it, Mark uh, Mark 40 and following, basically, where it's talking about the women who were around or near the cross. Well, we know Mary, the mother of Jesus, was right there at the foot of the cross, but Mark 15.40 says this, there were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph and Salome. Oh, Scripture itself tells us that James and Joseph, the quote-unquote brothers of Jesus, are sons of another woman. Now, her name is Mary. Mary appears to be a pretty popular name in that time, but it's another woman 
who is the mother of James and Joseph. And then if we go to Galatians, one verse, you know, chapter 1 of Galatians, I think it's verse 19, somewhere around there, Paul is talking about going to Jerusalem to visit Peter. It's, it's a few years after he's been converted, and, and basically it looks like he's going to Jerusalem to, to get together with Peter and make sure that, you know, everything he's been teaching is, is on the same page as with Peter and everybody else. So he, he says, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, remained with him 15 days. Then in Galatians 1.19, it says, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Okay, so Mark 6, verse 3, one of the brothers is James. And here in Galatians 1.19, the brother of Jesus, whose name James. Well, is this brother, again, is it a son of Mary? Well, no, because it says he was an apostle. Well, why is that important? Because if you look at the list of the apostles, a couple of them there, let's say, I guess it's Matthew 10 has one. There are two apostles named James. One is James, you know, the brother of John, who were the sons of Zebedee. Okay, so that rules him out, because this would have to be James, the son of Joseph. So we got James, the apostle, son of Zebedee, but the other apostle, James, is the son of Alphaeus, not Joseph. So neither of the apostles who were named James could be a quote-unquote brother of Jesus in the sense that people are, are trying to make it out that, you know, he was another son of Mary. Because those two apostles, neither one of them had a father named Joseph. So again, from Scripture, we see that the brothers of Jesus were not really blood brothers in terms of being sons of Mary. They were undoubtedly relatives, probably cousins, who knows? First cousin, second cousin, don't know. But they were not sons of Mary. So Scripture does indeed still support the Church's teaching that Mary was a perpetual virgin and that she had one and only one child, Jesus Christ. Well, see, John, here you go, teaching us once again that if you only look at the surface and you don't dig a little deeper to find out what's going on there, it can get really easy to be confused by just a little bit of information. We have to look at the bigger picture. We have to look for more information. And speaking of which, friends, if you want to learn more about the Bible and what's going on in lessons like this, be sure to check out the Bible Christian Society at BibleChristianSociety.com. John Martinoni is the founder and president. Until next time, John, I want to thank you for being with us today. And friends, you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. We are talking about the Blessed Mother this morning on Roadmap to Heaven. And I want to thank John Martinoni again for that insight on how we know that Mary maintained her virginity, even though the scriptures say Jesus had brothers, and bringing the clarity to us on that. Now, we give Mary the entire month of May, but as I have said many times already, I'm happy to give her every month. But in particular, we, we give her the month of May. We focus on her in this, uh, this beautiful month. We have May crownings. We have all of these things to honor 
the Blessed Mother. But why? Why does Mary occupy so special a place in our heart? I mean, it's one thing to say she's the mother of Jesus, and out of respect, we should honor the mother of Jesus. I mean, I think we could all agree on that. I think even our our brothers and sisters uh, of different faiths, you know, would agree about that, that, you know, we should at least honor her because of who she is. But it's so much deeper than just honoring the mother of our Lord. You know, I think of other mothers that I honor because they're a friend, you know, a friend's mother. I honor them. My mother, I honor her. You know, we show respect. But this is deeper than that. Well, why? And, and, and how is that? Well, it's because of what Mary does for us. Now, I could spend the rest of the show trying to explain it to you. Or we could jump in the Wayback Machine and go to a segment we did with Father Joseph Kelly on this very topic. And I think we need to because it sets the stage for the entire month of May. We are talking this morning with Father Joseph Kelly, a priest of the Diocese of Springfield and Cape Girardeau. More on the the Cape Girardeau side of the diocese in our listening area down in Oran, Missouri. Father, so good to have you with us today. It's good to be with you, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. And this really works out well because we've been wanting to have you on the program for a while. It's a week that, you know, we focus on our devotion to our Mother of Perpetual Help, this Saturday is for Saturday, and, and we focus on that devotion to our Blessed Mother. And you are giving a talk that is applicable to all of us, and that is on Mary as co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate. And as soon as I say that, as soon as I say that, I know that somewhere listening there is someone that's saying, I have no idea what that means. So, Father, I'm going to turn it over to you for a second, maybe to just give us a really quick explanation, especially of those terms. I think advocate we all get but co-redemptrix and mediatrix. Sure, yeah. So, um, and it's an excellent question. Yes, we get that all the time, especially when we attach these titles to Our Lady. And uh, basically, a very basic, just theological understanding of it is, of course, we we call our, our Blessed Lord, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ, He is the Redeemer. It is through the merits of His sacrifice upon the cross, through the Paschal mystery of him dying, rising from the dead. It was through his actions and through his actions alone by which we are redeemed. Okay, so we call him the Redeemer. We also call him the Mediator between God the Father and and humanity in regards to um, to our salvation and the salvific work that he wrought upon the cross. He is the one who offered himself in sacrifice on our behalf. So we call we give him that title of mediator. So they're they're masculine terms we could say um, in regards to being the redeemer and the mediator. But uh, whenever we give the title of co-redemptrix and mediatrix to Our Lady, there's a most more more so feminine terms that are given to Our Lady, and our our understanding of this is not that that Our Lady somehow helped out Jesus, <laughs> so that there was something lacking in Jesus, you know, that, that, that uh, he needed help in redeeming us or being the mediator with us. That's not the understanding of it at all. It's that Our Lady, through her own yes to God at the Annunciation, um, whenever Gabriel told her um, that God had you know, chosen her to be the mother of the Redeemer, 
um, through through her act there, and then through her course, um, uh, especially at, at her when her fiat, her yes, came to fruition at the foot of the cross, um, and that interior passion that she endured, um, she uh, we could say uh, contributed uh, in in a way to um, to that uh, that redemptive act of Jesus Christ on the cross. God did not need her, but God nevertheless used her um, to help souls to uh, to turn to Christ, to turn to our Lord, and to be redeemed, but it is only through Him that we are redeemed. So there's a, there's a very important distinction that we do have to make, um, but it, it's it, the, the, um, the analogy that I often like to use, uh, and, and this is something I think Louis de Montfort uses in his treatise on true devotion to Mary, is that whenever we come to Our Lady, and this would be more reference, I think, to the advocate um, title that we give to Our Lady, but whenever we come to Our Lady, um, or, or take a step back, whenever we come to Our Lord, um, and uh, in our bringing our our petitions, our or approaching Him with thanksgiving and so forth, our as Louis de Montfort likes to put it, our offering is made more perfect through the hands of Our Lady, like a peasant bringing. Um, a, a, a grouping of flowers that has all sorts of flowers, but it also has weeds and, you know, undesirables in it. Whenever we pre- want to present them to, whenever a peasant wants to present them to the king, our lady, who is the queen, uh, takes the, the this bouquet that we have, and she takes out all of the weeds and the undesirables and makes it a more perfect presentation to the king and makes it a more pleasing offering. That's kind of the analogy that Louis de Montfort uses, and kind of the analogy that we can use in our understanding of Our Lady uh, as the co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate. It's a beautiful example. It's one I've often said, not not to uh, steal St. Louis de Montfort's thunder, but I mean, think of all the times that someone comes to you and asks you to do something, and you say, oh yeah, I'll consider that. And I've had times where it's a family friend, and they say, oh, Adam, uh, could you help out with this? And I say, oh, sure, I'd be glad to if I'm able. And then my mom finds out that they ask that question, and she says, now, Adam, you're going to be able to help them, right? And uh, how, how, even if I could say no to them, how could I say no to my mother? And I, I think in a similar way, in a similar way, you know, our Blessed Mother would never ask our Lord to grant us anything that we should not have. And that's where that third title you're talking about comes in, that she is our advocate. Exactly. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's, and that's like you said, that's the term that people are, are certainly most familiar with and, and are understanding of, is, is advocate. She is an advocate, just in a similar way. All of the angels and the saints are advocates for us before the throne of God. But Mary, of course, holds a very special place in being the mother of the Redeemer. Uh, you, I mean, doesn't get much better than that, right? So, um, so she holds a very primal place when it comes to being, being an advocate between us and her son. And so we're, we're all familiar with that, especially through the various devotions that we do have, including the Holy Rosary, the First Saturday devotions. Uh, the month of August is dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady, and so those devotions to her Immaculate Heart, the praying of litanies and other prayers and so forth. So we're all very familiar with that, but um, obviously these, these things are, um, you know, are an important reminder to us of the emphasis of the importance of having a devotion to Our Lady. Well, I'd like to talk about this some more, but we need to take a really quick break here. We're talking with Father Joseph Kelly about the Blessed Mother. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this.
We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're talking with Father Joseph Kelly this morning about three titles of our Blessed Mother, co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate. I want to I talk about what that means, the advocate part, a little bit more, because today we pray our perpetual help devotions. And I, I think of, you know, first time I ever heard the word perpetual. Where did I hear it? Perpetual motion, always in motion. So perpetual help, always assisting us in prayer. But what is the Blessed Mother doing when she's perpetually helping us? Or, or what is she praying for? And then Saturday, we have the first Saturday devotion coming up, and we know that as part of that, our Blessed Mother made some promises to us through <laughs> Sister Lucia. And what are those promises? So, Father, let's start with, with Tuesday. Let's start with today. When we talk about our devotion to our Mother of Perpetual Help, what, is, what exactly is it she is helping us to do? Sure. Well, first and foremost, it's, it's drawing closer to her son. Um, any devotion that we have to Our Lady, the ultimate end is to draw closer to Jesus, to have, have a, a better union relationship with Him. And this is another, you know, taking from uh, St. Louis de Montfort's uh, teachings and what he writes about, um, is just the, the idea that just as Christ was uh, His physical body and was formed in the womb of Our Lady, um, so our souls, so to speak, whenever we give ourselves to Our Lady, our souls are formed uh, by Our Lady to be more and more Christ-like. So that's that's the end goal, is to draw into a deeper union with Christ and to be more and more like Him, of course, which is ultimately the thrust of the Gospel. Okay? So whenever we engage in, in and pray the perpetual help devotions, we're calling upon Our Lady to, to uh, essentially always always help us, certainly, to, uh, to draw into that deeper union with our son, to, to, um, to turn away from sin, because we know, we know that conversion is not a one-time ex- experience or one-time decision. It's constant. It's ongoing. We're constantly seeking to overcome sin and vice in our lives and to, uh, to practice those habits that, that are going to help us to, to be better Christians and followers of our Lord. And Our Lady helps us to do that. She intercedes for us. She leads us, and she... Uh, just as Christ, again, his, his physical body, the incarnate Word, was formed in the womb of Our Lady, her physical womb, so we too, uh, whenever we have that devotion to Our Lady, are formed in her, her spiritual womb, we could say, in, in a sense. Father, this is really important, not just for this Tuesday as we talk about the, the perpetual help of the Blessed Mother, um, but we, we get into the promise that she made talking to Sister Lucia at, at Fatima, appearing to her in 1917, and she says, I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation all those who, in order to make reparation to me on the first Saturday of five successive months, go to confession, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the rosary, and keep Mary, keep the Blessed Mother company for 15 minutes while meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. Now, again, she's not promising to do the work. That's Christ who does the work but to assist us at the hour of death um, perpetually, and in that moment especially, interceding for us. This is a very important thing, and this isn't just some barter that, well, if, if you give me this time on Saturday, I'll give you this. So why are these first Saturday devotions important? I mean, we put a lot of stress on them here at Covenant Network, but why sure. is that devotion so important? Sure. Well, ultimately, you know, it's, uh, it's encouraging us to live out the gospel message, to live out the tenets of the gospel, which ultimately is just devotion and imitation of our Lord. 
And, you know, we, we obviously need those, we need grace <laughs> to be able to do that. And these First Saturday devotions are an avenue of that grace, um, especially because of, of what they what they entail, uh, the recitation of, of the Holy Rosary, of course, and spending that, that time with Our Lady. But above all, it draws us to the sacraments. It draws us to confession. It draws us to uh, worthily receiving and, and, and being well-prepared to receive Jesus in Holy Communion and to do so in a devout and a loving way. And because of that, that's what makes these First Saturday devotions of the utmost importance, because they do draw us to the sacramental life of the Church, which are the greatest avenues of grace that God has given to us. And so, that, I mean, that's the, the main thrust, of course, behind them, but we know that uh, in, this, in this journey of our faith and in this life that we live and seeking to be draw closer to Christ, He's given us these gifts of being able to, uh, to utilize them to draw closer to Him, to have a, uh, a firm uh, and healthy spiritual life, first and foremost in the sacraments, but also He's given us His Mother. And, and I often I like to tell people, you know, especially uh, you know those who, who do not share the Catholic faith or our Protestant uh, brothers and sisters who will object, you know, say, well, why, why should we have a devotion, you know, to Mary. And I dare say there have even been some Catholics who have said this over time. Why, why have a devotion to Our Lady? Well, the simple, the simple answer is Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus had a devotion to Our Lady. Uh, we've, if you read through the sacred scriptures and see how the, the, the love and the respect and the honor that he shows to her, <laughs> especially um, at the wedding feast at Cana, <laughs> and she was the one that prompted his first miracle. And also, of course, at the foot of the cross, whenever she gives humanity uh, to her to be uh, humanity's uh, spiritual mother, um, and so we see we see in the Gospels even how Jesus had a devotion to Our Lady, and we're supposed to be imitators of Christ, are we not? I, I think that's a good enough answer for me. You know, why should I have this devotion? Because <laughs> because our Lord did. All right, Adam, are you better than our Lord? No. Okay, have the devotion. Now, Father, you mentioned something there that I, I'd like to end with this as, as we run out of time here, sure. that uh, sure. our, our Blessed Mother draws us into a participation in the spiritual life and the, the sacramental life especially. And I think of oftentimes when we announce, don't forget, first Friday's coming up, first Saturday's coming up, and both of those devotions we are called to go to Mass and receive Holy Communion. And so we often think, if you are not in a state of grace, if you are in a state of mortal sin and you knowingly go and receive Holy Communion, you're committed the sin of mortal sin of sacrilege, and, and we don't want that right. for, for you, me, or right. anyone, and so go to right. confession. But but when I look at the requirements for the first Saturday devotion, it just says go to confession. It does not say go to confession if you are in a state of mortal sin. It says go to confession. Right. And so often mm-hmm. I, I used to think, I'm going to see how long I can make it in between needing to go to confession and, and, and actually going. Like, you know, we have gone zero days. We have gone 10 days without a mortal sin in, in my spiritual life. We, you know, whatever the, the sign may be. And I would wear that like a badge of honor. But really, the goal is not to avoid going to confession for six months. I mean, the goal is to avoid sin and mortal sin, obviously. But right. even in that, we, we may not be in a state of mortal sin. We still can make a regular devotional confession. And just in case anyone's saying, well, I don't want to be in line Saturday morning wondering what that means to make a good devotional confession, I wonder if you could shed some light on that uh, from the confessor's standpoint. Sure, yeah, so uh, good question. Um, well, first, uh, I guess just to you know provide a, just a little bit of imagery, I think this comes from St. Pottery Pio, if I remember correctly, 
um, because he was talking about confession, about the importance of regular confession, even, you know, obviously if one does not, you know, uh, is not in a state of mortal sin, um, of course, heaven forbid. Uh, but the analogy he uses is, is um, we, it's important for us, you know, to uh, to keep our houses clean, you know, and we uh, we need to dust our houses and to keep it clean and not wait for the dust to pile up or wait for the, you know, the house to burn down or something before we do something about it. We need to, you know, to keep keep it clean. Well, he connects that analogy to the soul, you know, the importance of having a regular confession of, of um, you know, ensuring that our, our souls are being dusted, so to speak, and being and being kept kept pure and clean as, as possible, including overcome overcoming maybe habitual venial sins that we do have. Um, but is is uh, to make you know as as you mentioned you know to make a quote unquote devotional confession. And uh, I've actually gotten questions about this recently, um, in regards to venial sin, especially. But I just I, I think it's it is a tremendously good habit to have, um, because we we know we know that we are weak, we know that we are sinners, and even in even when we sin in the smallest ways, it's displeasing to our Lord and it harms our relationship with Him in some way. And so, if we have a regular habit of confession or devotional confession, whatever one wants to call it. Especially as it pertains to the first five Saturday devotions, it's just a good way to keep our souls dusted, <laughs> to to go around and do you know just as we as many people do, you know every week to just you know wipe down the tables and 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 just dust things in our spiritual homes, which is our souls, and it just keeps our spiritual life healthier. It helps us to be more attentive to areas of our lives that we need to work on more. And it just helps us to have a uh, a greater grow in a greater love for God's mercy that He offers to us in that glorious sacrament. So I, I just think, from those standpoints, it's it's really important that we do have that regular habit, not just hitting the you know the the lowest bar, so to speak, um, of going maybe just once a year. And if that's what, what people do, and that's you know good for them, that's great. But I think if we're wanting to advance even more in the spiritual life, regular confession is a fantastic way to do that, especially if we connect it to the first five Saturday devotions. What, what's the old joke that the child said? I take a bath once a month, whether I need it or not. Um, <laughs> and for, for Adam yeah, Wright, I'm exactly. not going to speak for our listeners. For Adam Wright, you know, that for me, that'd be like saying, I go to confession once a year, whether I need it or not. No, friends, I need it. I need it a lot more. In fact, I, I am due to get to the confessional, and may this first Saturday be that driving force for me. Father Kelly, I want to thank you for being with us. Before we let you go, could I ask you to close us with prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We come before our Blessed Mother, the co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and our advocate, we pray, asking for her intercession and her motherly protection over all of us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Our Mother of Perpetual Help, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, Father Kelly, thank you, friends. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to get one last check of the weather here. We will be back after this.
Well, it is a new month, a new week, and a new Monday, which means it's time for a new topic on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Here to encourage us is Patty Schneier. Well, because, of course, May begins with the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, I thought we should spend a week dedicated to St. Joseph the worker, and the topic of work. So today, I want to just talk about some of the virtues of St. Joseph. And these are virtues that we can pray to him and ask his intercession to help us in these same virtues, the virtues of punctuality, neatness, orderliness, diligence, perseverance, patience, competence, and of course, docility to the will of God. All of these things can help us in our work. And I think it's a great habit to ask St. Joseph to to help all of us with these virtues that we might be lacking in our life. Ask for his guidance more often, especially as you go off to work, whatever your work is, whether it's in your home or whether it's out in the world somewhere. Maybe each morning make it a daily habit of praying to St. Joseph to ask his intercession that today you can be your best at work, that you can have the virtue of maybe you need to work in punctuality or neatness. Maybe your desk is a mess. Maybe just St. Joseph can help you organize and clean up your desk or to be diligent in sticking with a project, whatever it is. I love the phrase, go to Joseph, go to Joseph. We all should just go to Joseph more with those little needs throughout the day, but especially when it comes to work. And what I found is a beautiful novena, the St. Joseph novena. And what this novena did was each day honored St. Joseph in one of his titles. So the first day is honoring St. Joseph as the foster father of Jesus, then the virginal spouse of Mary, then the man chosen by God to be closest to Mary and Joseph. The fourth was God's faithful servant, patron of the universal church, patron of families, patron of workers, friend of the suffering, and then patron of a happy death. So a novena to St. Joseph goes through all of his many titles. It's a beautiful practice, so if you haven't done so recently for this week with the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, celebrate it. Thank God for your work, for your job. Ask St. Joseph for help in your work, and maybe look up that St. Joseph Novena. Ite a Joseph. Go to Joseph. What a great encouragement, Patty. I really look forward to this week. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday, May 2nd, and we are kicking off the month, devoting it to the Blessed Mother. Now, of course, yesterday was also the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, and I want to uh, offer a, a heartfelt congratulations to all of the men who completed the Joseph Challenge pilgrimage, walking 25 miles over the course of the weekend. It, uh, you know, it turned out the, the weather, it, it seems, held off for them for the most part, so Good for them and uh, good for their witness. What a wonderful thing for us. So, you know, and here's my favorite thing about the whole Holy Family. If you want to be close to Jesus, be close to Mary. If you want to be close to Mary, be close to St. Joseph. You, You can't separate the three. You really can't. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we can foster our devotion to the entire Holy Family because St. Joseph would honor the Blessed Mother and our Lord would honor his mother. And our mother would send us all to her son. And through the son, we go to God the Father. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. This is all about growing closer to God. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank John Martinoni for being with us on this Martinoni Monday here on Roadmap to Heaven. And then, you know, a, a thank you again to Father Joseph Kelly for taking that time with us last year. If you want to hear his segment again, you don't have to wait another year to hear it. You can actually go to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search Roadmap to Heaven Covenant Network and we will pop up. And by about 10 o'clock today, today's show, including those words from Father Kelly, will be uploaded. Until next time for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.